What is up everyone, Dalton here. Before we hop into this episode, I just have a couple quick announcements. First off, thank you for tuning in. The support on the podcast so far has been amazing. We're super excited about the community that we're building here with Move Local. So we cannot wait to continue to grow and meet more amazing people. If you guys aren't following us on Instagram, head over there and follow us, move.local as well as sign up for our newsletter if you want to make sure that you don't miss out on any new releases of episodes, of merchandise, of exciting news that we have coming up for the Move Local community. Head over there, sign up so you do not miss out. You can find that in the bio on Instagram or in the show notes below of this episode. And then lastly, guys, if you've liked or took value from any one of our episodes so far, please head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you consume your podcast, subscribe to Move Local, and drop us a review and a rating. It really helps our podcast grow. It helps us get good feedback from you guys, what you want to hear more of, what you want us to improve on, so that we can continue to provide you with the best content possible and grow this amazing community. That is all I have for today. Enjoy this episode of Move Local. Welcome to the Move Local podcast. Our mission is to connect the movers and shakers of the Duntas and Hamilton area who pride themselves on growing a healthier and more connected community. We will do this through having conversations around health, education, entrepreneurship, and much more. We want to be part of helping you move confident, move free, and move local. on beautiful people welcome back to the move local podcast brought to you by the movement my name is dalton and alongside me today i have my wonderful co-host donald lazar don how are we doing today wonderful we've got a proper winter wonderland has come back to uh to ontario so this is this is fun it's it's nice to have snow on the ground and we've been meeting some cool people lately we've made some some more fun contacts in the in the community some interesting people to chat with so yeah and this is where you and I differ like you you're wanting the snow to come on so you can do all your fun activities and I'm like you know like I'm okay if there's not that much snow <laughs> and we've been pretty I guess in my standpoint lucky to not have that much snow this year so far it's been a soft winter for sure <laughs> yeah. um, and also guys we're down we're down a beard today Will's not joining us um, I have been growing out my beard, so I'm trying to m- make up for that wisdom that Will will not be present on the podcast. Um, but we're really excited about our guest um, today. So we have another local um, business owner. She's been around for, for quite some time now and here in the local community, I think since 1988, if I'm correct. Um, she owns Andrea Seuss Yoga, Yoga Studio, um, so we're excited to have her on. So welcome to the show. Hi, folks. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you today. How's your day going so far? Good. Yeah, I just took a quick walk outside in these minus uh, sub-zero temperatures uh, to get my mind sharp and uh, yeah, to feel my feet on the ground. It is cold though, so I agree. You got to push yourself to get out. I'm with you, Dalton. <laughs> yeah. And I see as we're recording this this episode, are you are you on a yoga mat in the right now? It looks like you're sitting on the ground. Yeah, you know what? I am sitting exactly where I've been teaching my uh, COVID online classes. So I've been sitting here for the last 10 months, basically. And um, this is my little spot. <laughs> have you have you carved out a knee nook in the hardwood yet? <laughs> Pretty much. There's some new wear and tear in here for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's actually a beautiful little spot. I look out onto my back deck, so I have big uh, windows. So it's been nice to actually to see into nature and actually appreciate the changing of the seasons over this last time, because I think we're all just paying more attention to things like that because we can now. Mm. Totally. Mm. And, yeah. you know, obviously you've pivoted in your business situation, doing a lot of things from home, but I would love to kind of start by taking it back and maybe just having you give a little introduction into, you know, who you are and, you know, your, your business and how that kind of got started and how you got into the world of, of yoga, just to set a good base for the listeners. For sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So just to uh, back up to when I, when I started teaching uh, or even how I got introduced to yoga, I was just uh, at the tail end of a, a biology degree at McMaster. Um, I wrapped that up in 1994. And when I finished, I, um, I was definitely, first of all, just to back that up, I was interested in working in a healthcare type of realm. That's why I went into science. And uh, during my time at McMaster, I got to explore a lot of different things, but also um, felt a lot of um, stress and anxiety when I was there and finished my degree and left thinking, what am I going to do next? Um, and down the street, literally from where I lived with my parents, who are still on Sulphur Springs in Ancaster, there's a little uh, uh, museum. And there was this woman teaching yoga out of this small little room. And I saw signs and thought, well, you know, I've heard of this thing. Actually, back then, though, like in the mid 90s, no one really knew what yoga was. Um, it was something that was practiced in remote spaces or church basements, or it was something that you're, you know, cringy aunt did. <laughs> so people didn't really know what it was. It wasn't mainstream, but I, I it piqued my curiosity. Um, and I remember, you know, finding this stillness I hadn't experienced before where you were allowed to just rest and inhabit your body. Sure, we, there was movement, but I think the quietness of it and um, this atmosphere of just taking time was hugely important and hugely um, influential to me at that time. And I knew that uh, something about it was helpful for me. So it started, of course, as something that I knew was helping me. Um, but then I got really excited about it and thought, huh, I could share this with people. So um, it wasn't long after that the instructor I had at that time started a very small little teacher training course. And then um, after I completed that, um, because again, there wasn't much yoga in the community, there were lots of opportunities. So I started teaching. Um, one of my first teaching experiences was actually back at McMaster at, um, um, well, in their Department of uh, Athletics and Recreation which was a really nice thing because it got me to get back on campus and I felt like I was there in a more positive way. I was contributing and uh, um, reaching out to people again in that sort of wellness way that always intrigued me about being involved in science and um, now um, looking at movement as a way to help people. And uh, so that was exciting for me. And, and while I was there, I um, met a few profs in that uh, department and also in the department of kinesiology, surprisingly, even though that wasn't a department that I was in when I was there as a student. And I ended up TAing a course for them and uh, doing a practicum for third year kin students in yoga and teaching movement and some of the yoga philosophy. Um, so that was really cool. And then while that was happening, um, I was interested in broadening outside of the um, McMaster community and starting a business. So very close to Mac, there was a church in Westdale called St. Cuthbert's and um, I was familiar with it just because in my previous life, what my main interest was music and there used to be a jazz series there and I used to go and watch jazz at St. C's and I would sit in this beautiful 
uh, room and look up at these wooden rafters and realize it's like a really cozy, intimate space. I thought, I want to teach here. So they let me, <laughs> uh, which was great. Cause again, back in the day, um, teaching yoga again was kind of, um, maybe strange. And even for a church community to welcome me in, uh, was amazing. And I was there for four years starting in 1998. And then I ended up having to expand and have more space to myself because the church needed it too. <laughs> so I ended up renting a space and, and basically started a, a studio. And it was one of the first studios in the city back in um, probably 2001, 2002, when I actually created the, the physical space down at the main West Mall, which some of you might be aware of. So yeah. And then the rest is kind of has been evolving. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like a, quite, a, quite a journey thinking about like where you started to where you are now. Um, the one thing I wanted to hit on was you mentioned like, you know, you found this moment of like stillness or a time where you could kind of like have a quiet moment. And I know a big part of like what your um, philosophy is, if I'm not mistaken, is around this idea of mindfulness within like the yoga practice. And, and I'm not too much ingrained in the yoga world. So I know that this is probably something just in general that's important in yoga. But why, why is that important? to you and why have you made it such a big focus of your practice? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and again, mindfulness is another thing that back in the day we didn't really hear about, but it's so mainstream now. I would almost say if I was to rewrite some of my, my thinking around, you know, what's the, what's something that tethers everything together in my work, it's mindfulness, but it's more embodiment, like um, using the body to um, become mindful. So, I mean, because mindfulness is, you know, there's seated meditation, walking meditation, there's lots of different mindfulness practices that actually don't necessarily involve moving. So my work is really about helping people to inhabit their bodies and use that felt sense or feeling the body to quiet the mind. Um, so that's what I would notice, I think, back in my early experiences of yoga after moving, then there was this possibility of experiencing incredible stillness. And you folks, I mean, I'm preaching to the converted here. I mean, you know how powerful movement is. And um, I would just sort of like to mention, you know, one of the things that's really important in my teaching is helping people manage stress and anxiety. And um, one of the best ways to do that is to get moving. When someone's feeling particularly anxious, some of the, you know, worst advice is to just lay still and breathe deeply because that's not skillful for folks when they are um, hyper aroused, um, highly activated. How can we meet ourselves where we're at? So I guess through embodiment or really starting to feel like where you are, like what, what is your mood? Uh, what is your activation level? If you can do something to meet your mood, First of all, it's just kind <laughs> to your body and to your mind. And if you can engage in activities that meet your mood, then moods and um, states of being can start to shift. So we can start to downregulate. So for instance, if I was really feeling anxious and what I do in my yoga for anxiety courses that I teach, I offer people a lot of different things, but sometimes what we really need to do is move. We need to, we need to bounce, we need to shake, we might need to do some task-based movement where we're really giving our mind something to focus on um, so that then we can gradually come down and then have an experience of stillness. And then it's actually possible and you've actually down-regulated, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I love, <clears throat> I, I love your focus on, on anxiety. I mean, I don't think it's any ever more <laughs> relevant than it is now. And so, 
you started off by saying that you've been for the past 10 months, you know, transitioned to a digital version. And so that's, that's amazing to me. Um, like, have you done much work with teens and schools and have you, uh, you know, is that, is that a realm that you've delved into? Yeah, actually, yes. And, you know, I'll start by saying most of my clients, because I've known most of these folks for decades, they're a little older. I mean, I might've met them in their fifties and now they're in their seventies, eighties. I have a student who's 92, who's my most youthful student, by the way. That's awesome. <laughs> However, yeah, I mean, these people are great. They've adapted to online learning really amazingly. Um, but I will say that, yes, over the years, I've worked with younger people. In fact, um, one of my really good friends um, teaches at a school for the arts in Brampton, and I've done some online teaching for her students. She's a dance teacher. And so for her dance students, I've done some online workshops for them to help them manage anxiety and stress. So they're already movers, right? So they they don't, they didn't really need so much, you know, getting the inspiration to move. But with them, I, I've done some more, again, mindfulness, or even um, I teach a practice from the yoga tradition called uh, I Rest Yoga Nidra, which is a guided meditation. They've really enjoyed that as a way to help um, br bring a little more calm and peace to their situation. Um, all ages right now. Mm -hmm. Hey, folks, we just really need these tools. <laughs> So that's, that's interesting. You, um, something that kind of struck me on in your last little conversation was the embodiment of, uh, you know, to, to control anxiety, right? That you mm -hmm. were getting people moving to control anxiety. But I guess what you're saying is that, you know, that might be the case in, in someone who's a little bit more sedentary and, you know, is, is in sort of a, a low associated with that anxiety versus, you know, maybe in the younger population, they actually do need to be kind of slowed down a little bit. Yeah, they do. They do. And then just choosing techniques that, again, resonate with people. Um, as I mentioned earlier, like some of these uh, task-based movements that bring online our prefrontal cortex, because we, you know, to override that stress response that's driven by the amygdala, if we get our front brain working, and again, something kind of tasky, something that we have to hold our attention to, it really does help to override the response so um, for some people that's movement for some people though it could be focusing on their breath and that will help to do that or or again a simple task um, but uh, yeah generally I find it's really unique to each of us and that's why I just think giving people various tools is helpful and and also giving people the empowerment to choose if they have access to different things that they've tried then they can choose and feel out for themselves what's what's right moment to moment so yeah no oh, yeah that that's great and I, I'm curious to like dive into just yoga yoga in general I feel like you know, there's so many different forms of it, right? There's like mm -hmm. the westernized form that you see. Mm. There's like more like, you know, one that I did a lot back like a couple of years ago was just more aggressive, like holding positions for long periods of time. Yeah. Um, and then there's obviously this kind of version that you're, you're speaking to what, what can people expect from like a yoga session with you when mm -hmm. they come to like your website and they want to join and like, maybe give, give some, give some insight into that. Yeah, great. I think that's a really great question. And one of the things I really wanted to touch on having been in this industry for so long, because what we're seeing, I mean, what I would reflect on is as a contemporary yoga teacher is um, 
there's been a real shift. Like back in the day, it was really kind of interesting to people. Like, who did you study with or what was your lineage? So for instance, like, were you uh, an Ashtangi? Were you um, like, I never studied Ashtanga yoga, which is more of a flow-based vinyasa-based practice. Um, but that was really important back in the day and to trace your lineage to which guru and um, and I think uh, it's interesting there's a lot of yoga teachers who even just would prefer to call themselves movement education or movement educators now um, because we're kind of moving away contemporary yoga is a little more non or post lineage now and um, there's a lot of teachers who are really open to multi-modality practice and evidence-based science and you know how we're learning more about the body more about the brain and yoga classes for me are really um, multidisciplinary now so i um, am interested in learning from neurobiologists and biomechanists and um and i think yoga people generally are quite um curious people and they're they're, they're really um uh, apt to say I don't know, let's figure this out, like, or let's learn more. So I love bringing new things to my students that may have nothing to do with any yoga tradition now. Um, and maybe just because I've known people for so many years, we've developed a level of trust um, that I, I'm always trying to learn more and they know that. So when I bring something new, they, they're like, okay, let's, <laughs> let's try this. Like hand-eye coordination. I follow a guy who, that's all he does, work with balls and balancing and coordination to work the cerebellum or back brain and trying to bring that in for, you know, adult neuroplasticity. So my classes have some yoga, very little poses, um, lots of movement, lots of varied things so that we know new and novel experiences are great for movement, great for managing pain, right? Um, but also just for, again, keeping our brains learning new things. So um, what is yoga about my classes is I think they still have a feeling of adding in these aspects of relaxation, sometimes spent on the ground for some introspection, some inquiry, uh, breath awareness and you know glimpsing into other layers of our being like there's our physical body but then you know what are thoughts that arise how are we feeling and just looking at a person as a whole which kind of you know in, in the language of some of you know the clinical work in um, pain and the biopsychosocial model like being able to I think yoga has always been good about that looking at the person as a whole and I think you know anyway my classes allow us to do that there's a little bit of yoga. There's a lot of other stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, it's awesome to hear you say all these things. Cause obviously as healthcare professionals and physiotherapists, Don and I, and we're very much in movement and understanding pain and the biopsychosocial model and hearing you hit on all these things are just making me so happy. Mm. Um, but mm. the one thing that I really like about yoga, like just reflecting back on how you can use it as a way to manage stress and anxiety and pain is like, you're using movement, but you're also being in tuned with your body. Like you're saying, you're using it as time to check in with like, how are you talking to yourself? What are you saying? What are you thinking about? Whereas I think sometimes other forms of movement or exercise, let's say uh, like a CrossFit session or something like that, you may not be thinking so much about some of those introspective things. Like I think you are in some ways, but I've really come to see how yoga can be powerful to really allow you to check in with yourself more because the environment that it's being taught in, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah. There's a little more space around what we do. There's, I, I even think about when we do a little practice, sometimes we'll pause and I'll 
I'll suggest maybe this is a moment to allow that to register, you know, and it's not just in your body, it's also in your mind. And, and along with that comes the narratives, like what are the narrative loops that keep playing out, you know, and if you step back a bit, you can start to recognize them and moving helps us to really engage in the moment. And then we can start to realize, oh yeah, my mind went there. Interesting. Let's come back to this. Um, and uh, yeah, like some of the work that I do again with this um, other practice that I offer my students, um, it, it really asks us to step back this guided meditation at times and just notice, you know, where your, where your mind is. And I think a yoga class allows us to do that, which is really, um, it's, it's important for people, I think, and open your senses, you know, like, what are you smelling? What are you hearing? What are you seeing right now? Um, just to really land in the moment. And if you get a little practice with it in a class, you can take that out into your daily life more frequently as well, especially to decrease the level of uh, reactivity that we might have in conversations with people or just how we interact with our environment. Yeah. Um, how have you, like, what's the feedback that you've gotten on people that come to, you know, some of the stress and anxiety, like courses or versions of yoga that you put on? Like, what are people saying that they're, you know, they're taking away from it or learning from it that maybe they hadn't gotten in other situations where they've tried to address their, their anxiety? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think, I think people just start to be really amazed at what they, what, how much their body knows, like how much intelligence is, intelligence is in there. If we, they just take a little time to feel into that and to really trust their instincts about what they need. Um, so I think people just have start to feel a little more awareness of what, what they need. And, you know, things like, again, um, can I say yes to this? Like, how does that feel in my body? Should I say no to this? Um, can I trust that feeling of maybe I'm doing too much and I need to just step back? Um, and I think you learn those things in a movement practice. You kind of feel your edges a little bit. And if people become a little more tuned into how they are and what they need, that's just better for everybody in their life, right? You can be a lot more honest with yourself and other people. Um, and one thing I'll just say as an aside, I think that um, offering the classes online has given my students more opportunities to engage in their practice than say when they were coming to in-person classes at the studio, just on many levels, logistically, getting there once a week was all that they really wanted to do, to drive, pay for parking, carve out time. Um, and I mean, I've <laughs> just to make it very um, easy for myself technologically, what I've offered my students is like this unlimited package, which I never offered before. They used to sign up for classes and come for those classes, but they can come now as many times as I like. So I'm teaching six days a week through the pandemic, have been since March. Um, I offer eight classes, sometimes nine and sometimes 10 when I'm running this anxiety course. And I have to tell you, people are coming more often than they ever have because they can. But because of that, what they report back to me are things like reduced pain levels altogether, but just just feeling a lot more grounded during this time. And I think the big piece, which I wanna bring up as well, is um, the social engagement piece or the co-regulation that can still happen online. It doesn't just have to be in person. And I didn't know that at first. Like I, I wasn't sure and I was worried about that. And I, I felt a little sucker punched at the beginning teaching virtually thinking this isn't gonna work, but it truly does. And um, I think that's been the feedback, um, you know, just still having the connection because if we're seen and we're heard and we feel like we're connecting to people, we have a sense of belonging 
And right now that's so powerful, right? So. So cool to hear that you, that, you know, that, that this has actually been a positive for you in many regards. And, you know, in the fact that you've broken down some barriers to helping people better their lives, right? You know, that, you know, that once a week practice, it's better than none. But the fact that you've seen so many people progress to many multiple times per week is just like the benefits they're going to get out of that. And it's just going to become part of their life, you know, even if, um, which is like, that's the dream, right? That's, that's like oh, what all us healthcare providers and movement experts, like yeah. that's what we want, right? It's like for this to become part of somebody's life. So cool. So cool. yeah, it is. And you know, I feel like this online format allows us to be available to people like that in a way. I mean, it's easier for them to just kind of roll out, roll out of bed and click on their zoom link. Um, in some ways working from home in this environment is easier for me, if I'm quite honest, or just, it's different than running a studio where you have to have programming going on seven days a week. And I mean, I'm still working many days a week, but it just has a different texture to it. The week just feels a little different. Um, it's working for people. And I think the other thing I'll say about it is, um, it's empowering people because what I do, and I don't know that all teachers do this, there's different ways to format your yoga classes online, but I decided from the beginning, I thought what was going to work best for people is once we check in and say hi, and we do that, <laughs> and everybody gets to say hi if they want to, um, everybody turns off their video, everybody um, uh, mutes themselves, and or I mute everybody, and then it's just me. Um, and there's an openness for someone to, to unmute themselves and ask a question, but I think that's happened once in 10 months. Mm -hmm. And at first, and I, cause I figured it was going to be a little bit of a cacophony of sounds and visuals. And I thought, and also for people's privacy, I thought, let's just let it be me. But that was weird for me. Cause suddenly I'm on stage, I'm a talking head. Um, but mostly I, then I have to do the full practice. Like before as a teacher, especially in the last number of years, I rarely did a lot of yoga in my teaching. I walked around, I was watching people and helping them with their questions. Or if I saw something, I would say, Hey, let's give this a try. A lot of my teaching would be driven by what I was seeing in front of me. Well, that can't happen online. So making that switch was a little bit bizarre, but it's worked quite well. I'm moving more. So not only are they right. I mean, this is so cool. Like we're, it's again, we're mutually benefiting because we're, we're moving more together. Um, and uh, yeah, overall, though, um, because I'm not there for them to answer specific questions, I'm also hearing this thing from them that they are listening more intently to their own experience. And it's really empowering for them to figure out their own stuff. Um, now, that doesn't say I don't get lots of questions at the end or like after class, like emails through the day. I'm constantly in touch with my students in, in a strange way. There's a lot more intimacy now. I mean, I feel more connected to them in some ways than I did in person. So weird. Um, but um, and I know when they're coming back to another class, I might if I know they're in the Zoom participant list, list I'm going to do something in the class that acknowledges what they what they asked about. But altogether, people are taking more responsibility for their own movement and managing their pain and knowing what to do. To me, like that's gold. Like that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we would uh, we would agree for sure. <laughs> and I think that's yeah. what makes like helps, you know, going back to the stress, anxiety and all that stuff. It's like that empowerment where they feel the control to be able to do it on their own, like and manage it on their own. Like that's that's what we want, right? Because now they are in control of everything and you don't have to be the one that's doing it, which is which oh, is yeah. awesome. Love it. And, you know, in a way, it really steps away from this, uh, like, teacher, student. I mean, and, it, and it's like, I think it's great to have mentors and teachers. I do and still 
you know, working with them online, but it's really cool when you walk away from learning and just have a knowing in your own self that you've embodied something, you understand something, and then you can do it on your own. Right. I mean, that's, that's a gift. Yeah. Yeah. A word that came up a whole bunch throughout this so far has been curiosity and like exploration is, is a word that I connect with curiosity. Um, mm. So we often talk to our, our clients about like helping them explore their condition, whatever that may be. Right. Um, and it sounds to me like you were just saying, like, really this, in some regards, this has really helped to facilitate more of that self-exploration Um in those people but why why is it that like curiosity is something that like permeates what you what you've been saying throughout your practice mm, yeah well I think I think it's become an important word because I think especially in the old days of yoga practice as I mentioned when certain uh types of yoga or cueing was tied to a lineage like you do your triangle pose and you step your foot three and a half feet and you turn your back foot out on a 45 degree angle I mean, that's the way things were taught back then. Um, so curiosity comes in when we start to question dogma, right? Like, why would anybody need to do that? Like, how would I know what your femur needs to do in external rotation? Like, how the hell do I know, <laughs> right? So it's about letting like people figure out for themselves, like, where do I feel stable? Where do I feel steady? Where do I feel at ease? Um, and let people just kind of play with their movement. Um, so that's been an amazing shift, I think, in a lot of yoga practice where people take the onus on what they need in their bodies and getting away from some of that. This has to be done this way, according to this teaching. Um, I, again, and I think I said this earlier, but as a teacher, being able to show up with the, I don't know, like, I, I'm going to try this. So let's, do you want to try it with me? I don't know. Let's see how it works. And I do that often, you know, and, and I don't mean it's like, I'm just making up stuff. Like there's reasons sometimes, but I'll think, Oh, like, what about if we did this and, and see how that feels. And if it doesn't work for people, it doesn't, but I think, um, movement is to be explored, right? It really is. And, um, like one thing I've been doing recently, because one of the things that I've been um, interested in, again, if when we work with our brain, like how do we um, foster more coordination? Uh, and, and then how do we do that by maybe adding timing and rhythm? So, I mean, I'm going back to like, I used to figure skate and dance when I was a, a kid and a young teen. I loved it. Um, so now like sometimes I add some choreography in my classes. Like when your right leg does this, your right arm does this. And I mean, is it kind of bizarre or is it kind of goofy? I don't know. Um, but it's helpful for people to harness attention and it feels really nice. It feels really good. Is it yoga? No, I don't even know what it is. I don't even know what to call it half the time, yeah. but you know, but it's just getting people to move and explore and be curious about, well, what's it like when you have this stimulus, what's the response, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's some power to encouraging people to explore and be curious with their movement in their body. Like we see a lot of that here where people feel like they need to move in this one way or else they're going to have pain or they're going to injure themselves when, yeah. you know, we've come to realize that, well, not just me and Don specifically, but let's say the physio space in general has come to realize how much like exploring movement can be very powerful for people. And it's, it's awesome for me to like, when someone's like, well, should I do that? Should I move that way? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, like just move, like explore your body, like feel how it feels. And it gives them, even in that moment can give them a sense of like, uh, calmness and then empowerment to like, oh, move this way without worrying. Right. And I think oh, yeah. we all need to continue to 
push on people. Yes, there's a lot of fear because unfortunately, yeah, um, there's a lot of really strange movement cues that have been circulating in the fitness world for decades, right? And when people have learned those at a point in their life, and we're even told even by a healthcare professional at that time, even if it's decades ago, that, oh, every time you uh, say, I don't know, you got to hold your abs in while you're standing, or you got to tuck your tail under to protect your back, and all of those kind of cues that we know are not necessarily important cues to keep in our minds anymore. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it can create a lot of fear and bracing and holding in people. And of course, then pain persists, right? So it's really nice um, to help people override the fear and give them other movement options. And just to, to know that, you know, you could, you could try something new and let go of some of those holding patterns. But when they're old patterns, as we know, they can take a while and you need to have like, in order to have a letting go, you have to have an underlying feeling of stability or support, whether that actually is in your body, or as you just said, a movement professional giving you the confidence and support to say, I think you can try this. Um, so important, isn't it? So um, yeah, letting go of the tension or these old patterns is a big part of, I think, what we do as movement practitioners, eh? Yeah. Totally, yeah. Yeah. I want to I wanna transition a little bit to more like, and this might be selfishly for, for myself and I'm sure Don would like to hear too, is like, you know, you've been in business for quite some time now and, and obviously going through many different changes and how you approach it now doing virtual things. Like what are some things that you've learned about like maybe yourself or that's allowed for your business to continue to be successful over, over the years? Mm, wow. It's just like, I mean, this word pivot has just gone so like, over, over the top, over the pandemic, like everyone's pivoting, but we've all had to pivot our businesses now. But I have to admit, like you just keep doing that as an entrepreneur your whole life because there's things that happen all the time. I mean, I've been in business now for, um, well, officially 23 years since I actually started a business, but I've been teaching for over 25 years. Um, wow, so much has changed and you have to be responsive to the changes around you. So whether it's, um, oh, everything. I mean, like I, for instance, like in my business at the beginning, it was really exciting because there was like this huge growth period where you had to expand because there were, you had to. Like, and that's a really exciting and very creative time. Um, and then, you know, I remember when I was in my space on Main Street, and that was like near the recession 2008, 2009. Um, and for me, um, what also was happening during, during that time in this community, there was a lot more yoga and sort of franchise yoga businesses coming up and just different business models than my yoga studio model. So I had a bit of a double hit with the recession and suddenly this huge influx of options for people. Um, so what I did, I mean, I had a really big space there and uh, I did what I called a right size. Uh, so it was a pivot. I actually, you know, moved my business to a space closer to a, a community. So I moved to Dundas and most of my students were already living in Dundas. Um, and I love Dundas. Um, I grew up in Ancaster. I live in Westdale. Dundas has also been part of my life forever. Um, and it, I just felt like I wanted to be closer to what felt like a community of businesses so we could support each other. 
Um, so, and that was a downsize. That's a smaller space, but it fit my model of wanting to do less of these huge, like I never had classes of 30, 40 people because my space wasn't that big, but I used to have 20 and 25 people. My space now, again, in downsizing was more to uh, accommodate smaller class sizes on purpose. So people had more attention and, um, and we could, you know, delve into more what at that time I was calling therapeutic yoga, like looking at trying to really personalize the work for people and make sure that their needs were being met not just like follow me as a teacher but like each of you need different things um so that drop class sizes down and that was the right size at the time i needed to rejig my business um one thing i'll say which is kind of cool though i bought that little unit where i work i have a condo in this building so that was also just a moment in business where it's like an evolution from being someone who was renting a space to someone who was able to finally own a little space but I mean, I never dreamed all these things would happen, but I had to respond to, again, the economy at that point, competition at that point, and then now this. <laughs> so, <laughs> and just as business, to be honest, was really starting to change for me, get a little bit busier because there are so many people using yoga as a therapeutic modality now. Your GP probably knows what yoga is and will recommend it to people for relaxation and, and stress reduction and lowering their blood pressure. Like, you know, so there's a real need now. Um, and then this happens, but then there's the online possibility here. So who knows, right? So I don't know, like, we just have to keep looking at what's in front of us and just keep, uh, if we really, you know, if we really love what we do and we really want to make it work, I think we do find ways. I think we do. Yeah, we've kind of consistently heard that from from people is when you're passionate about something, you know, you're going to change with the times and and make it work. And something that I've heard come through from from your conversation so far is this individuality, right? This like real focus on the individual and and you know we often say care, right? You know, like mm -hmm. that 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 giving people the time or the amount of attention that they need to really get the care that they need to get the benefits out of, you know, therapeutic yoga or what have you. And so I, I think like that decision to like downsize into, into Dundas. I mean, I think, I think you've sort of um, hit gold on that one without even, <laughs> you know, <laughs> with it by accident a little bit. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's a lovely space. I mean, I, it's been months since I've taught in there and, uh, and I really like it. Like when I walk back in there, I'm like, oh, I like this space. I mean, I built it from the ground up. It was basically a unit that got completely gutted. It's like my dream little yoga studio. <laughs> and actually right now, like one of my colleagues, who's an occupational therapist, she's in there seeing clients. She works mostly with children. She does a lot of play-based work. And I mean, there's so many kids and, you know, teens that are struggling right now during the pandemic. And so she, those children and their families can come into this space and it's safe because it's a big space. There's only a few of them. I'm so glad to know it's being used right now. Um, but I wonder, you know, I, I wonder for going forward, like what will our fitness spaces look like for group activities? And I think the space that you folks have there and because you work a lot one-on-one -on -one with people, it's kind of perfect what you've created in your beautiful space, which I've had the pleasure to see. It's so nice. <laughs> And you have the space to spread out and work with your clients one-on-one -on -one with your equipment and that. When you get back into like this, what I do, like really technically is like a group um, activity and having people, people closer together in my space, which again, when we can get a little closer together accommodates 15 people. But when we have to still socially distance, even post-vaccine, like we don't really know what that's gonna look like in terms of what our public health measures are gonna need to be. Business model may have to change again. And I'm not sure, like it's, it's really, 
the, a lot of unknowns, isn't it right now for all of us? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, I mean, obviously adapting and persevering is not something that you, you haven't experienced before. So I think, I think you'll be able to figure it out. I mean, I think you're doing what you're doing right now is just preparing you for that. Like at some point we are going to be able to get back to in person in some capacity. And, you know, it's probably going to look like a hybrid model, most likely, you know, and seems like you found some interest and passion in the Mm -hmm. online um, a virtual option. And, and maybe it's a good thing for, to keep you like on your, you know, in a, in a good space, do some in-person, some virtual kind of keeps you yeah. fresh, you know, as you continue to yeah. progress through your career. Right. I think so. I mean, especially at being at this now for a while, um, what I've noticed, it's interesting. Like when we talk about working with people and setting up, uh, appropriate boundaries or, you know, as caregivers, like to use that word care that you did, Don. Um, we happen to be types of people that give a lot, right? And um, we need to know what the limits are of that so that we can take care of ourselves too. So I feel like this experience is giving me a lot more feedback around what I also need too. <laughs> as much as I can give, what do I need? Um, that healthy balance, it's shifting for me a little bit at this stage in my career. And with this online option, I'm seeing a lot of benefit from it. But I'll also flip it around and tell you a few more things what my students are saying about the benefit of online. So again, um, yes, I've worked with younger kids and I do like to work with younger folks, but most of my students are older. So with that in mind, I mean, people have told me things like, I love online because I can hear better. I can see better, right? I don't, if I sit in a room, a pot, spot in the room and like get stuck in that spot I don't like, I can't see you, I can't hear you. But online, I can put my laptop exactly where I need it. I can even wear the earbuds as a lot of them are telling me they're doing who have hearing issues and they can hear so much better. So we're kind of um, breaking down some barriers that might exist in that group class atmosphere, which I never would have thought of. Um, and just the convenience of not being distracted maybe by other people in the room if um you know people are easily distracted that way i mean i'm learning i'm learning about my students as they're telling me the things that they appreciate i'm like oh that's interesting you know um some of you really like this and um and again just the overall convenience and frequency of practice i just think it's uh it's kind of been a bit of a, a silver lining for people and a lot of my students who are older um like some of them are living alone so it's been a really nice way to have this ongoing um again personal interaction with people they know from their class and seeing my mug if that appeals to them a couple times a week um and also um some of them have you know like like all of us right now during covid like i mean i know we've all dealt with the you know this crisis of staying at home and, and, but, you know, there's other things going on in our lives that would have been happening anyway, like health issues or um, losses in our family or, and, you know, and I'm seeing this with my students too, like whether they're managing their own health issues and uh, um, some of them, some of them have had spouses who have actually moved into long-term care during this, like that's so frightening for them. Right. So to be able to have this platform where they can get together and, and talk to their friends and classmates, even though we can't be together in person, that's been so supportive for people. So, um, and it's conveniently supportive, right? So again, I just, I just think it's worked out really well to my surprise. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I got a couple fun questions for you. Okay. Uh Oh, all right. Don't <laughs> worry. It's not a lot. Of what, uh, what would, what is your favorite local restaurant in Hamilton Dundas area? 
Oh, so I'm going to give a shout out. I mean, there's so many. We're so lucky. And I'm actually going to go outside of Dundas. So, um, and this happens to be someone I know. Um, Jordan Weiss has a restaurant uh, down near Gage Park um, called Cafe Bafico. It's an Italian, rustic uh, Italian restaurant. He's done an amazing pivot. So Jordan opened his restaurant. uh, um, Oh my gosh, was it like a year and a half ago? Maybe it's almost two years ago. Um, Great pizza, like a lot of sourdough based work there, bread, pizza, Italian food. Um, During the pandemic, um, he's actually recently shifted more to like these amazing donuts (laughs) and bread and he has uh, a supply of um, wine that you can't get at LCBO. So really cool, like small batch, you know, breweries and uh, vineyards and that you that you can pick up their products there. And uh, he's done a great job with this. And so I really, I like to support him because he's um, just kind of got started and got hit like this, just like a lot of businesses have. Awesome. Yeah, cool. Cafe Befico. Yeah. You can find him on Instagram. <laughs> Did he, by, was he by chance in the newspaper recently? You know what? Maybe he was. I don't know if he was. I feel like he might have been. I feel like that rings a bell with me. Yeah. Um, I'll check that out. Yeah. Well, for people who've lived in this area forever, I mean, uh, he's he's in the location where this restaurant called Lescargot used to be. It was a little French restaurant down like at the I don't know if they called it down at the Delta there, but just past Gage Park on King Street. Um, and it's a great little spot and he's doing a great job. Cool. Yeah. Um I don't know if this is a fair question, but what would be like your favorite yoga pose or maybe like a series of movements or something that you just love doing in the yoga, like practice? Yeah. Um, so for me, uh, you know what I, I mean, for years I would have said, um, like warrior three, which is like a standing balancing practice. Cause I really enjoy the strength based work that's involved in that. <laughs> Um, but just generally these days, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm really interested in getting stronger and, you know, maintaining the strength I have and then bone density. I mean, at my age, I'm almost 49. Like I'm thinking about like, what, what do I need now that's different than when I was younger? And so I'm certainly switching a lot more, I have been over years anyway, but really now more strength-based work and, uh, um, upper body is going to be interesting to me going forward. I mean, warrior three, as I mentioned, it's more of a lower body, but I'm really interested in gaining some more upper body strength and, and seeing what I can do with that and letting my tissues adapt to a little more load. Cause I you know, think that's important. So, yeah. Cool. We're, we're on board with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, who would be someone that, uh, you think we should talk to on the, the podcast? Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, there's so many great local businesses. I mean, again, I, I do a shout out to Jordan, even though he's kind of outside of Dundas, but definitely another local business to support. I think of, I mean, again, these are people like, as I mentioned, when I moved to Dundas, I just felt so um, happy to be part of a community on the street there. Um, mm-hmm. So some of the people that I know well on the street, um, like, uh, Sandra Gammon at Body Sense. I don't know if you know Sandra, but she has a business there in the Collins uh, uh, building. She's fantastic. She's been at her her craft for a really long time. Um, and then, of course, the Paconis. <laughs> Lisa Paconi is a dear friend of mine, and the work they do over there and keeping their customers happy, honestly. Um, yeah, I mean, everybody on the street there in Dundas has done remarkably well. Cool. Yeah. And just to, just to wrap up last question here, what does move local mean to you? 
Mm, I thought about that. So, I mean, move local. So indoors or outdoors, online or out in your community, you know, get, get moving. And, you know, we, we, we know right now how movement, well, right now, particularly, but always just boosts our mental health getting out, seeing some sunshine. Um, and you can do that even within the small block. If we're not wanting to leave our homes so much, like we could just in our tiny little sphere here, get out and move. But I also think part of it is, and it, exactly what you folks are doing so generously with this podcast is to support local, right? So as we move out into our local spheres, what do we see there? And again, I, I think at the very beginning here, I was saying like, I've just been more aware of things like the seasons changing or what happens in nature. But I think we can also look out in our community and realize, huh, like, who can I support through this? Like, how can I support some of these local businesses, people who are struggling, people who I want to see here on the other side of the pandemic um, and be really aware of local um, and, and maybe hoof it to the local place instead of taking the car. <laughs> love it love yeah, it thank you yeah well thanks so much for your time i would love for you to let people know where they can find more about you and and seek out like your yoga practice and all that good stuff oh thanks dalton so yeah if you find my website it's andreasusyoga.com there's information about the online classes and there's ongoing online classes i'll be doing this you know for quite a while as you say likely a hybrid of this later on or who knows what but um there are intro um packages for folks who just want to give this a try for a week and see what it's like to move on zoom and to see what it's like to follow instructions in that format so that's uh an option for people and then i do have a moving through stress and anxiety series I often usually once a season there's one starting soon um and I've just mentioned too what's kind of cool about this now is that you know I've got students from British Columbia and Quebec and people from you know northern Ontario who normally couldn't come whether they were former students or people who have told their friends and their their families who live abroad um this is cool anybody from anywhere can actually go to the website and sign on for a week and give this a try yeah awesome well, thank you very much. And um, the movement crew might have to get on one of those yoga Zoom classes and and test our our movement abilities. That would be fun. Maybe well, you know, get get curious. Yeah, right? get curious. <laughs> get curious. Well, clearly, our you know our work dovetails, and I think it's the best when we align ourselves and know about each other's work, right? So I think what you guys are doing over there is really great as well. So awesome to be here with you today. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks.